to me, sumo is not it's not like every other sport. Um, and it's, there's something really special about sumo. So like you said, with rugby, you know, I, I've done sports before. And so I've, I've always been an athlete. But I think even for people who aren't athletes, they come into sumo and you realize right away. So it's not just physical. Yes, there's a huge physical aspect. So if you're, you know, hardcore, you want to have, you know, sweating and you really work your body. Yes, there's a physical aspect. I mean, you hit hard. Those tachi eyes are no joke. But there's also this mental aspect that I think a lot of sports are are missing. And it's it's almost like I've heard it described as playing a, a physical game of chess. So you have to always be thinking about your opponent's move and what's going to happen next. And if I do this, what kind of position does it put me in? And so it's it's a very mental game. Hi, this is Mariah Holmes, and I'm a U.S. sumo national champion, and you are listening to No Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. For those listening to the show who are well versed in many styles of wrestling, and that includes many of you, the phrase used by sumo wrestler Mariah Holmes to describe sumo, physical chess, may be quite familiar to you. Physical chess was the title of the memoir of the late catch wrestler Billy Robinson. The phrase physical chess has also been used to describe the style of University of Minnesota wrestler Gable Stevenson, who was the 2021 NCAA Division I national champion at heavyweight and co-winner of the Dan Hodge Trophy in American folk style wrestling and in freestyle wrestling the winner of the U.S. Olympic team trials, also at heavyweight. All of these descriptions of these diverse styles of wrestling are accurate. Wrestling is the world's oldest sport with countless styles and rule sets, with sumo, a form of belt wrestling, being one of the most prominent of them. Sumo also has a distinction of being the most popular and successful style of real professional wrestling in the last 100 years since the devolution of professional catch wrestling of the era of Frank Gotch and Farmer Burns into vulgar theatrics. Besides still being a popular professional sport in Japan, the 2005 World Sumo Challenge, which drew 8,000 fans to Madison Square Garden, and was televised in the U.S. on ESPN2 remains the most popular real professional wrestling event held outside Japan in decades. So, whichever form of forms of wrestling or, if you will, physical chess you are most familiar with, remember that sumo is on the rise in the U.S. With the 2021 U.S. Sumo Nationals coming up on 
June 19th, the North American Sumo Championships in December, and Sumo being on the program of the World Games in July 2022 in Birmingham, Alabama, that trajectory should continue to point up. It is in this context, O oh people from all corners of the wrestling world, that we spoke with Mariah Holmes. We spoke with her by phone Saturday, May 29th. But before we get to that, a word from the sponsors of No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com, the home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double End Bag the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skull's double-end bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skull's Fight Shop, advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y dot com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, Please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon for much more No Holds Barred content that's at patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. We have been discussing a lot the revival of sumo in the United States. And there is a lot happening in the next several weeks, highlighted by the June 19th, 2021 U.S. Nationals. And to find out more about all of this, we have someone on the line who's very much involved in this revival and involved in sumo. That's Mariah Holmes. She's the vice president and a trustee of the U.S. Sumo Federation. She's also actively a sumo wrestler. She's currently on the U.S. national team at light heavyweight, and she's been on the national team for the last few years. She's a world semifinalist in the open weight division, and she's planning on bringing home a lot more medals. So we have her, as I said, on the line, and we're going to find out what she's been up to. And Mariah, welcome to No Holds Barred. Thank you so much, Eddie. Um, it's, it's great to be on here, and I appreciate you having me. Glad you could be with us, and I try to do brief, briefly do justice to 
your background, but give, give us an idea a little bit about what you've been doing in sumo and, and how you got involved with sumo, because as we know, it's growing. There were a lot more women getting involved in sumo, but it's been uh, for a long time a male-dominated sport. Definitely, yeah. So I started back in 2018. Um, I was previously doing some rugby, um, and a, uh, a coach kind of mentioned that he did sumo and that I might do well. And so I went to a practice in L.A. And, um, in fact, I think, and I'll talk more on this, but I think the L.A. club was a little bit different than most other clubs just because um, there were several women there um, when I started as well. So um, that was really cool for me. But So I started in 2018, and when I went to the first practice, it was, I think, two weeks before nationals um and they said hey you know if you can make it show up um and so i did and i did really well um and then i went to to the world championships there in taiwan and uh i tore my hamstring and in fact if anybody ever watches that show little miss sumo um there's a blip in there of me getting off the doyo um after i had torn it um so that kind of put a wait period um, on me getting back in um, and wrestling because I was I was down for almost a year there. But I did. I got back into the ring. Um, I won nationals in 2019 and so ended up in Japan right before um, the pandemic hit in 2020. And so that was the last world championships I went to. And um, that was when I made it to the semifinals. Um, and with all of that experience, I, I've, I've learned a lot, and so um, I've decided to kind of grow. And I think you spoke on this about, you know, there's there's not a lot of women um, within the sport. And so, I mean, having men to wrestle against is fantastic. You get to, to hit, and you have that strength, and you learn to push and technique. You know, you learn all of that. But there's something about wrestling another woman um, that you just can't replicate uh, with a with a man, and so trying to grow the sport and get more women involved, and I think we have seen a little bit of growth, especially if you look at quality over quantity. We definitely are booming um, with our women, um, and I I think you know we've been recruiting a lot more women, um, and so that's going to really show here I think in the next few years. Um, but additionally, um, you know just just grassroots trying to to encourage women to, to come out. I think that'll be good. But um, in addition, I mean, to growing the sport, I myself, just training-wise and looking at into different martial arts, judo and jiu-jitsu and those kinds of things, um, to really strengthen myself at the world level so that maybe we can uh, bring home some gold. What was it about sumo that got you so involved? Because from what you discussed, it didn't sound like you had really much or, or any of a martial arts or combat sports background. I know rugby is a, a contact sport, but it's a di- it's still a different kind of sport where you, you're supposed to score as opposed to combat sports. What, what was it about sumo that you said, hey, this is what I really have to focus on? Yeah, and that's, you know, that's such an important piece, I think, um, and really a great question because uh, to me, sumo is not, it's not like every other sport. 
Um, and it's, there's something really special about sumo. So like you said, with rugby, you know, I, I've done sports before. And so I've, I've always been an athlete. But I think even for people who aren't athletes, they come into sumo and you realize right away. So it's not just physical. Yes, there's a huge physical aspect. So if you're, you know, hardcore, you want to have, you know, sweating and you really work your body. Yes, there's a physical aspect. I mean, you hit hard, those tachi eyes are no joke. But there's also this mental aspect that I think a lot of sports are are missing. And it's it's almost like I've heard it described as playing a, a physical game of chess. So you have to always be thinking about your opponent's move and what's going to happen next. And if I do this, what kind of position does it put me in? And so it's it's a very mental game. And Eddie, you really have to consider that this sport can be over in a matter of seconds. Most bouts are 20, 30 seconds. And so it's not like I have this whole hour long time to really consider my opponent and where should I move and um, you know how hard should I hit and you know, it, all of these aspects, it has to happen in a blink of an eye. And then on top of that, I mean, so it's physically exhausting, it's mentally challenging, but at its core, there's something so, I think people have called it spiritual, people have referred to it, you know, as just a soulful sport, but deep down, there's just something that you really connect to. And that, to me, it just is such a beautiful sport in that capacity. It's artful, it's challenging, it's just so beautiful on all of those levels that I think anybody who really, really watches it or, or enters the, the doyo and really tries to, you know, practice sumo will really just realize that right away. It's, it's a sport unlike any other. You, what you've described, and I've heard other people describe it similarly is very different from other styles of wrestling that I'm very familiar with. Sumo is one of the many, the most popular style of belt wrestling. There are other styles of belt wrestling. Mm -hmm. There are, I don't know, countless number of styles of wrestling. We see in the international level, you have freestyle and Greco-Roman. In the U.S., Mm -hmm. in the colleges and schools you have american folk style you have numerous numerous countless other styles and they're viewed almost entirely as sport and i think they're great sports all of them you know some might like some styles and rule sets i like better than others but they're viewed as sport sumo while it's obviously clearly a sport with uh, rules and all of that, and in international sumo, uh, unlike J- Japanese professional sumo, there are weight classes, men's and women's divisions. So you have some of those, some of those structures that you have in other styles of wrestling and other and other combat sports. It's still something that that stands apart, and I, I just mm-hmm. find that I find that fascinating because I've always liked to have particularly watched the the international sumo outside of Japan. I mean, I watched the Japanese sumo too, but I just know that that's that's almost an acquired taste. That's something that outside Japan is going to have very, very limited appeal. But the international sumo is something that people virtually everywhere in the world 
can relate to and and as it grows you see clubs and wrestlers developing in virtually every part of the world so it's just it's just a fascinating development and as you said of course most of the matches are very short and and as i've said well it's very technical which not everybody knows you have the 82 mm-hmm. techniques and all that and when you watch a japanese sumo they'll explain on the, the English language broadcast and on the TV, they'll explain clearly what technique was was used to win. They'll have slow motion and all of that. But it's very easy for fans to understand, even if they're not familiar with all the jargon and the techniques. So mm-hmm. I just think it has this enormous potential. And what you've described, how artful it is and this mental aspect to it just really adds to its appeal. I think it has the probably the most untapped potential of any combat sport that I could think of at this time. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And I think you've hit all those points. Like, I think people can really um, connect and resonate with with sumo, um, international sumo, maybe as opposed to you know Japanese pro sumo, because all those different weight classes, it makes it a little more competitive. But I think also, I mean, aside from everything we've we've mentioned with you know just connecting in that soulfulness is <laughs> within maybe those thirty seconds that you're watching, you could see some tiny guy against some really, really big guy, or, you know, you see this competitor who is, you know, maybe the strongest, and you think, yeah, for sure, this match is won. But it's a 50-50 shot anytime you watch a match, and it, the surprises that come out or the techniques that they use, you're like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. You're, there's so much just surprise within watching I, I agree with you I think you know from a fan standpoint sumo is a phenomenal sport to watch and really get into um, and I agree it's, it definitely has some untapped potential there I don't know how much of the, the past of international sumo that's taken place in the US you've, you've followed but then there haven't been a lot of really major events I mean I think as you know there were attempts at creating professional sumo organizations outside of Japan on an international basis a couple of times. The the 1998 Night of the Giants and the bigger one was the 2005 World Sumo Challenge which had 8,000 fans at Madison Square Garden and that I covered both of those events and the fans loved them. You can give away free tickets or whatever, but you can't get fans to to cheer and, and really like an event. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, they try to have the World Sumo League and a, and a tour, and they made a lot of basic organizational mistakes dealing with media and marketing. They planned this huge international tour without any TV uh, they they didn't use the internet, and even though the internet was still uh, a lot different than it is uh, today in, t- in 2006, still a lot of people who were starting to use it properly for communication and marketing, and they did a very poor job of that. So they had to abandon the tour midway, 
and that was the end of them. There were a couple of times later they announced they were going to come back and reorganize, and for whatever reason, uh, that didn't happen. And it looked like that whole impetus that started in the early 90s with the success of a lot of wrestlers from Hawaii, not only in Japanese sumo, but in international sumo, and then the triumph of Manny Yarborough winning the world championships in 1995 and another bunch of medals and all of that. That whole impetus that built up to 2005 and 2006 was suddenly over. And a lot of people by that time had left sumo. And and it seems mm-hmm. now the, the revival that's taking place that I see, particularly in the United States, is among people who maybe they were aware to one degree or another of all of that, but they weren't heavily involved in any of those events in 98, 2005, and 2006. So it's really something that it just shows the resilience and the appeal of this sport that it didn't die after those setbacks. It had, it did have a period where not a lot was going on and there was a lot of reor- reorganization, but now you got the U.S. Sumo Federation. You got, even during the pandemic, more sumo clubs have being for, are being formed. You have a number of tournaments going on and hopefully as the pandemic eases, I don't, I don't want to recklessly rush things, but as uh, something like half the adults in the United States are now vaccinated, as things start to slowly return to what they were before the pandemic, and you can do more of these events relatively safely, it, it seems to me Sumo is, is in a really good position to sort of zoom into more consciousness in the sports world, and particularly the the combat sports and martial arts worlds. Yeah, 100%, Eddie. I definitely agree, and I, I would would like to echo what you just said. I don't think that, you know, after that time, that sumo died. Um, I think that, you know, maybe it was, it changed for the better. There were a lot of um, things that I think shifted, especially in the United States with the Federation, um, and and within the sport of sumo as a whole, I mean, we've really pushed, um, you know, female competitors and, and a lot of different things have shifted. And so I think now that we're, we're coming back, we're coming back a lot stronger. And it's, it's I think, like you said, the, the potential is there. And I think we're ready to, to really grow as a sport. Um, and hopefully we're really moving towards um, you know, the Olympic status. I think that's a really big end goal for us, and I think it's definitely achievable, um, you know, here in, here in the future. So, I don't want to... I, I just wrote a whole article for my Patreon page about, about that, and I personally think that's not going to happen anytime soon, and that's... The whole Olympic movement is in, is in crisis, and I just... I'll save that discussion for another time. Um, okay. What I I would like to see, frankly, is something like the World Sumo League, but done right, organized properly, not only just funded properly, because the people then had some money, they got it on the, the first events 
the, the first two events in 98, 2005 were on ESPN, although on tape delay, and then they just blew it. Both of these, some of the same people were involved in, in both of those. They weren't able to get a, a decent TV deal, and I think if somebody, now the sports marketplace is just so oversaturated with so many different sports, all over TV, uh, streaming services, you name it, all this stuff is available. And it, and with more people having broadband and cell phones, it's much easier to to keep up with the all these things internationally. I mean, the Japanese sumo is available on the NHK World Japan website, and it's available on a number of TV stations around the U.S., so it's pretty easy to keep up. It's not like the old days where you'd have to wait for a videotape to arrive in the mail or something <laughs> like that. You just do it at your fingertips. But I think that there's, there's a place for it if they could get it organized properly and they could break into this market and properly deal with the TV and streaming and all of that. But but I don't I don't see anybody doing that right now. The people that were involved back in 98 and 2005 and 2006, as far as I know, the people that ran the business side of it are, are no longer involved in it. And some of the people that helped organize it, such as Mr. Yonazuka, um, who trained Manny Yarborough and Kevin Carter and many people, and was the uh, the referee at the Madison Square Garden. He passed away a number of years ago. Manny Yarborough passed away in 2015. But I think there's a, there's still a lot can be learned from that period because Manny in his sure. day was really popular and it popular in the mainstream sense. I mean, they got him on The Tonight Show. He was on The John Stewart Show. He was doing commercials. He became an actor also and he he was featured in pictures in major sports magazines at the time and i think that that that's your that's your star of the recent past which is why i've been pushing that that the us sumo federation should establish a Manny Yarborough cup at one of its events and bring bring all that stuff together well, I mean, there's a few things. I think, you know, when it started with what you're referencing in the past, it probably, and I'm not an expert, so don't quote me, but I'm just assuming that it's, it probably was this new thing nobody was really aware of. And so it was like, oh, look at this really cool new thing. Um, now we're kind of getting a fan base. And I think to to prematurely really push it out, it would probably flop. But I right. think right now it's building, right? We're building that, that fire. And once we get it going and we get a really strong, solid fan base throughout the U.S., um, and I think within, um, you know, internationally, this, that's pretty much there. I think But if we're talking just U.S., once we get a really solid fan base, that would be when you can really push something like that. But additionally, you know, the, the U.S. Sumo Federation is really just there as, like, a governing body. But... 
I definitely think that having supporters, like you were you were speaking about Manny um, and then his coach um, and and all of those kinds of people, they're those those significant people within the U.S. They're the people who really matter. The, the federations, not so much, but um, the like all of the individual clubs and the um, the people who are training sumo and the people who are you know practicing. Those are the people who are really going to make this push and make this movement. Um, that you're referencing and those would be the people to really try to say hey let's let's make this big um but that 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 would all need to wait until we you know it got a little bit more um familiar to people within the u.s and more beloved and that wouldn't the the loving sumo isn't hard just getting people to come experience it that that's the hard part but i think that's we're getting there and once we get people to to just check it out I, I mean there's so much to love and so I think that's the easy part but we'll get there I'm sure of it yeah I mean it, it, up until recently obviously the pandemic in the last year and a half of, mm-hmm. has disrupted everything in the world Yeah. Uh, before that the largest sumo events in the U.S. were the U.S. Sumo Open out in California. I know they did it last year behind closed doors because of the, the pandemic. But but since then, it seems that with the with the Nationals coming up in in Austin, Texas on June 19th, this is going to get, as far as I could tell, a lot more attention than the U.S. Nationals have gotten in recent years, and again, even still with not everybody is 100% back or vaccinated from the from the coronavirus, but it just seems is there's a lot building up at this point of interest. Well, I, I agree in one sense. Yes, I think the Nationals will be large this year because everybody has been cooped up, and now we need to get out. And, and we're doing so safely. We're taking those precautions. I don't want to, to scare anybody. We are, um, you know, having safety as a number one concern. But people really want to get out and re-experience life. And so I think in that sense, yes, Nationals is going to be very large and probably larger than um, many years in the past. But I think this year probably the bigger event will probably be the North American Sumo Championships. Um, which will be held um, in December, which are qualifying for the World Games. Um, and I say that for a couple of reasons. It's qualifying um, three athletes per weight division, um, and so it's a larger qualifier. Um, and then additionally, it's qualifying for the World Games, which is, is a pretty big um, event. And the World Games actually next year will be held um, in the U.S. And so those are all reasons that I would say that the, the North American Sumo Champ- Sumo championships um will probably be a a really large event um if not as large larger than nationals this year um and it's it's later in the year and so those people who are hesitant to come out in june might feel a little safer um in december um but i do i agree nationals will be on a large scale and yes um the u.s sumo open has been long-standing um a really great event to go out and check out sumo and and have that experience um you get a little bit of international sumo but i think what you're what you're leaning to is these nationals these um american um qualifying events uh, nationals and the north american championships those are becoming larger they're becoming more significant and um i think Seeing the growth there is really important to get that fan base up. So, yeah. 
and I know people have competed in these events who, like yourself, as you described in the beginning, didn't have much of a background in sumo. They came from other sports, other combat sports or contact sports or martial arts or whatever, and they they started out and they were able to, do, some of them do well, some of them learned, hey, you know, i got to really learn this sport if I'm going to do it, going to do it properly. But it, ha- it has that appeal to bringing people from all over from these places. And the other thing, I mean, about the North American Championships is that, yeah, in terms of the planning for it, is there anything, since you're in the leadership of U.S. Sumo Federation, I know this has been talked about, is there anything definite to, to talk about in terms of a date or a location? I know a bunch of different things have been yep. considered it, on It that. should be posted. It's been sent out to our membership, but um, is the official uh, details for that, the North American Swimming Championships will be um, held in Las Vegas um, in on December 11th uh, this year, 2021. So it's there. Um, it should be a really great event. And like I said, it should be a larger event. It qualifies um, three per division. But the, the funny thing about this one is if you, so for those familiar with sumo, um, so if you go to nationals this year, you'll see the lightweight, the middleweight, the light heavy, and the heavyweight, and then an open weight division. For the North American Swim Championships, you'll only see the lightweight the light heavy and then the heavyweight the uh, middle and the open weight do not qualify so they won't be uh, debuted but um it will be happening december 11th in las vegas okay so that's definite then at this point yes it is a that's that has been confirmed that's definitely happening great i'm hoping to hear a lot more uh, information about that as as we go on now in yeah. terms of people watching these events as fans, mm-hmm. what, what's been set in terms of doing some type of streaming or, or anything like mm-hmm. that at this point? I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure with nationals. Um, Justin Kizer, he is running that. He does a phenomenal job, and um, he usually has a live stream. But I don't want to say that definitively in the event that he doesn't have that. Um, I know for a fact that the North American Championships will have a live stream. Um, it will be a, like a, a small fee, um, cheaper than to get in the door, um, but it, it's a small charge, but you will have access to a live stream for the entire event. Um, and then usually we're trying as a federation to move forward and be more progressive and, and really um, allow access to people all over. Um, and so we do um, have a YouTube channel, and so we do try to upload um, any kind of national event um, um, cut through so you're not watching all the, the breaks, but um, of all the matches at least are uploaded there. Um, so that should at least be there um, post-event. Um, but I'm, I'm not 100% about that or nationals, but I am for sure that um, the North Americans will have a live stream. Okay. Now, how are you balancing all these different things, training and competing in sumo, being part of the U.S. Sumo Federation, and, and everything else you're doing in the real world? 
Yeah, um, my life is a bit crazy, and I think for those looking in on me, um, it can seem really overwhelming and like unreal the number of things they do. But um, I'm just one of those people that it just keeps busy and and um, moves a hundred miles an hour, and so that's how I do it. Um, I have uh, a lot of great support, though. To be honest, um, within the sumo world specifically, um, the federation really provides. Um, it, it sounds really corny, Eddie, but it's like a friendship. You know, you really find those people that you connect with and will support you and, and help you through, um, you know, whether it's learning um, to to train or, you know, to, to just get other things in life done. Um, so the Federation is really supportive there. I, I found a, a really great support system, and I think I speak for most athletes um, when I say that. But then, you know... The, I, I have a really great uh, family and friends outside of that to, to just help me get all of the craziness that I do done. But you're right, I do, I do quite a bit of things. That's good. Obviously, well, that is important. And, and another feature of the sport, again, we've discussed this a lot of times before, is that it actively promotes respect. Whereas in a lot of the other combat sports, there's the trash talking and the nastiness, and it's sort of like a, uh, another version of the WWE uh, faces mm-hmm. versus heels type of thing. Even though a lot of that is is manufactured on on the premise where we could sell tickets if we have villains in this thing, so some people play <laughs> the villains. The, the opposite the opposite is true in the culture of sumo, and not only at least from what I've seen in the U.S., not only um, outwardly in terms of the way the matches go on and bowing, and a lot of people will hug and hang out with each other afterwards, uh, before and, and afterwards, but also in the respect they have for each other overall. In other words, it's not just performative where people are bowing because that that's a ritual and that's that's part of the sport. This is something that I've seen, whereas in a lot of these other combat sports and other styles of wrestling, you don't have that. There's a lot of nastiness between different groups, and that doesn't mean there isn't conflict and differences of opinion, but it just seems that it, at, at this point, things are being carried out very respectfully, which is unfortunately the opposite direction we've seen our culture take in in recent years and decades where nastiness has become more of uh, the norm but in sumo yeah. it seems to be still promoting those those uh, positive values of respect and, and honor and, and and all those type of uh, positive uh, views and values a hundred percent, yeah, and I—that's really a, a huge reason why I love sumo, and it's—you've—you've you've hit it right on, Eddie. It's—it's it's not something that's fake, and I think you know, as an athlete in other sports, you have to really get angry, or you find that fire, and you people you get pumped up, and so you—you you almost you, you try to hone in on that nastiness, right? And you really try to hate the other people. Um, but in sumo, you almost you want to do the opposite. You want to calm your mind. You want to calm. You're the in, you know inside you want to be calm you want to be at peace because then you can feel your opponent's movements and you can move your opponent better um, and anticipate and so being frantic and crazy and um, going really hard is not 
the key. But I think, you know, practicing that really brings in, like you're saying, that respect. Um, because if your opponent, you know, is calm and you're calm and they are still going to beat you with like this amazing move or they just hit you harder, you have to respect them on that level. Um, and speaking from personal um, experience, like, of course, like in the U.S., I have friends. I think everybody um, that I've come across that I've wrestled, I mean, I, I really have respect for. And I, you know, I, if we're not friends, I, you know, I'm friendly with them. I really care for these people. But even internationally, like um, I, Hayuri um, from Little Miss Sumo, we, we're friends. She's a phenomenal person, and she trains really well. And I, I respect her as a person. But as soon as we get in the you know ring, I'm I'm going to go in and I'm going to try to smash her and I'm going to try to do my best to beat her. But, you know, I still have that respect. I still have that calm. Um, you know, like I could, so many of the people that I've met internationally, um, I could go on for days, but I think you're exactly right. There is that respect. And I think it's, that is one of the big things that really sets sumo apart and makes it just this amazing sport. Um, yeah, I just that it's a huge part, definitely. Now we talked a little bit about the the role of women in the uh, growth of women's sumo. How would you say the state of women's sumo is at this point? Is there much uh, turnover in terms of people getting involved in it anymore? And what has happened, particularly in in a, almost exactly a year ago? You did uh, an interview with our friends from Sumo Kaboom. And how much has changed in the last year? Have things stabilized again, even with the, the pandemic going on? Has the issue of turnover been been dealt with? And how do you see generally this the state of women's Sumo? This is hard for me, Eddie, because so since the minute I started Sumo, I was very obvious that there's not a lot of women and this is a problem because sure I can walk into an event and maybe be one of the very few women there and so of course I'm going to win I'm going to go you know la-di-da I'm the best but that's not what I want and that's not what any real competitor wants we want to have hundreds of women that are in that room that we have to compete against not because I want to prove that I'm better than 100 women, but because they are going to make me better. If we have 100 women fighting each other, we're going to teach each other. We're going to grow from each other, and we are going to be the very best. We're not going to beat Russia or, um, you know, Mongolia or Japan, you know, walking to a room and winning a trophy because I was one of the few women there. I'm going to beat all of these other countries and win a gold medal and really represent the U.S. and show them how strong we are and, you know, our talent by learning and growing from other really strong, amazing women. How do we get them in? Now, I can go and like, creep on a bunch of women and say, hey, come try this. And sure, I might get five or six women. And we, I, when I started, like I said, I walked in and I had over half of the, the California club was women. And I've seen a lot of great women um, and wrestled them through the last few years. But they, you've hit it on the head again, turnover. They leave. And I can't, for the life of me, figure out why. Um, I could speculate, but that's not going to solve the problem. Um, we tried starting um, a women's uh, committee 
um, to try to actually identify this problem. Um, and it's difficult. And I think um, Eros Armstrong um, and, and Helen and I, and we were all trying to kind of work together to, to do something. And I think we're moving in the right direction um, of having women-only events. So we have women training camps and we have women, um, you know, women tournaments. And that is good because it says, hey, you're going to show up and there will be women to wrestle. A lot of times I'll see, um, you know, tournaments or events or training camps and I'll say, well, it's really expensive to get over there and that's a lot of time and I'm going to just wrestle a bunch of guys. Is it worth it to me? Because like I said at the beginning, wrestling a woman is way different than wrestling a man and I don't care if they're the same size and body structure and weight it's going to be different um, the weight proportion you know women are, are just built differently we have weight distribution is just different and the intensity from another woman that I get is not going to ever be the same from a man and I don't care who you are that's the way it is um, I, I've, I've been in a lot of sports I've wrestled a lot of people I never get hit the same as when I'm going against a woman um but so I think having that promise to women, hey, you're going to show up and you will wrestle other women and you will learn to wrestle other women and you will walk away from this um, stronger and better. And, and, um, and you will have a group. You will have people to talk to. You will say, hey, I tried this belt throw and it didn't work. Okay, well, hey, sink your hips or, you know, and so you'll have this community. And I think those things are good what the actual final answer is, Eddie, I really don't know. But I think getting more women to come in and voice their opinions and their thoughts on this, that's key. Um, but I, I think, yeah, we do have a lot of women. I mentioned Eros is doing great. Um, I'm training some women. Um, they're all over. We're popping up. So I think if we can just keep it somehow from turning over, like you said, and keep these women within the sport, wow, we've got some really great potential going on. So, yeah, hopefully here in the next few years we can figure out this problem. Yeah, I think in California where you are there, that's one of the, the centers of sumo and, and a lot of combat sports and martial arts in the United States. And I think where Harris is in Austin and in other parts of Texas has developed as one of the centers also. So I think when women see other women who are competing and training others and holding events, they're going to feel more comfortable to come and to to stick around on a regular basis. And, and hopefully with the Nationals and the North American Championships and next year the, uh, the World Games, all this coming up, hopefully there'll be more centers developed, uh, particularly, you know, where I am in the New York area. We have a huge population here. You have people involved mm -hmm. in all different kinds of sports. And I don't even know, I don't think in New York City, there's a, a sumo club or anybody, I don't know of anybody that's actually doing active training around in the New York area. There are, but actually in the city itself, largest city in the United States I don't know of any and if there are and, and I don't know about it it's you know that that says something about it yeah you know I so. agree I don't think that there are any clubs out there um yeah I agree so hopefully with all these events coming up 
it can grow and expand. And I think as it grows and expands with the places that already exist and establishing in, in new places, I think then you're going to be able to bring bring people in. Because with the internet and the it's so easy to watch these videos, even if they're just live stream or YouTube videos that are just put up there, people could watch these things and they could say, hey, I can do that too. I can try that too. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a, just a question of getting, of getting the word out, which, by the way, is I encourage more Sumo people, get on Twitter. I know people are on Instagram and Facebook, but the, 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 I found the more serious sports discussions, including about the combat sports, take uh, take place on Twitter, and people can react more. And now you have these uh, audio chat rooms. Twitter has one that recently rolled out, Twitter Spaces, and you have another one that's separate, Clubhouse, where people can come on and just have their own audio chat rooms. You have all these different types of media developing. So the more places people can be, the better. We can start to get we can start to get the word out and even by being there raise awareness that that these things exist. Which is I think yeah. just as important as people being in, involved in the media. Let people know this is happening. And you can get involved in it, and you're going to start to get uh, more people, more people interested. In my view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's great advice. Yeah. Well, and and also it's good to know for people that you you know you really just need even you as a one person you could set up and start training, and then if you get two other people to become members, you know you're officially a club. And the the Sumo Federation, um, though it doesn't have a lot of power, we're really supportive. We support all of our clubs, um, and we really try to help the clubs grow. We're not sitting here trying to become some kind of um, empire within, a, you know, as the governing body. We really exist just to grow the clubs. And so, if people are interested and they want to learn and they want to teach others we will do everything we can to help you accomplish that goal. And so for anybody who finds Sumo and falls in love with it, contact the Federation. We will help you get going, and we will help you, um, you know, grow grow your love. So um, that's, good, that's good to know. And, um, yeah, definitely. Right. One, one thing I would add about New York is that because at one point this was the uh, – the center of the pandemic it's slowly reopening and it's very uneven in different places but still there are people doing things and training and getting involved with the combat sports again so as it more and more reopens hopefully during the summer uh, I'm really looking forward to people from New York City Getting getting involved in this 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 is this would be like a gold mine for you, yeah. and it's not it's not represent. I know there have been people that have been interested here, and there are some people like me that you know, I'm not doing. I'm too old to do any more training <laughs> or anything, anything like this at this point. And I don't even know if my grandkids are interested in doing it, but still, they're you know. Eight and a half million people here, 
And I think, yeah. it's, I think it's a great, I just think it's a great market. And this is where I said, going back to 2005 at Madison Square Garden, you had 8,000 fans there, most of them from New York City and, and the New York area. And the people yeah. really loved the event. And it was also, uh, unlike a number of these other sports we've discussed, it was family-friendly. And mm-hmm. you could bring little kids to these events. And the little kids loved it because of the, particularly the huge competitors. The, when, they yeah. had the, when they had the World Sumo Tour event out in the Meadowlands in New Jersey, that already you could see the tour was was folding because they had a, a very small crowd at the Meadowlands. But the people who were there loved it. And after the event, they let the little kids run on the mats and roll around with the uh, with the, the huge wrestlers. And they had sumo dolls that they sold and, and all of that. And then if you jump fast forward to 2016... Once again, when the sumo and sushi event was here in Manhattan that Andrew Freund organized, he had uh, the late Bayambiar was there, and Sutslan and Yama were competing. It were really demonstrations. Not, not everybody knew that these were more demonstration matches rather than fully competitive matches. But nonetheless, the people at this event, which was held at a nightclub, who were mainly not combat sports and martial arts people they loved the event you can't fake mm-hmm. that and at the end they also let them get on the mat and roll around a little bit with the wrestlers people had a really good time and it just showed the audience it's it's here it's for the taking it just has to Definitely. be presented to them so I'm particularly opening and I don't think New York City is is an exception to other places that that are not really hotbeds of sumo at this time. I think all these other places are. I just think it has. I just think it has so much potential. I've seen it with my own eyes, and I'm just hoping that this is the time. It's all done right, and things are built up steadily, and people have learned from the mistakes of the past of these these previous events. So. That, that's what I'm Definitely, pushing. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. I hope so too, Eddie. Yeah, for sure. Now, what are you going to be doing between now and the Nationals? When are you actually going to be getting in, into the Austin area? And do you have specific training that you plan in these last a few weeks before the event? Yeah, so um, I... <laughs> Um, I'm doing some judo, um, but in my weight class, like I said, there's a disparity of women. Um, and so for me, long term, though, within my weight class, it's not so much strength and pushing. It's Of course, there's strength, but it's more I need to learn um, those throws and those hips. Um, and so that's why I'm doing a lot of judo. Um, and, you know, you just, I guess, prep for the day. Um, I don't know, to be honest, Eddie, uh, what this year looks for, like for me. Um, it's still early, and there's been some, some crazy changes with my life. Um, and so I I was planned. I had everything booked. I was ready to go to nationals, and there's some changes. So I don't even know if I'm actually going to be at nationals uh, this year. 
Um, but we will we will see if I show up. It will be phenomenal. I would love to see all the other women wrestle, and um, I have a girl that I'm training who will be there um, in the middleweight class. Um, so I really want to be there for her as well. But um, but I will also be 100% at the uh, North American Championships in Vegas. I'm running that one, and so I will be there. Um, and so, but for me, training wise, to answer your question, I think long term it's not. Um, so much for right now. I'm just really trying to get into that final round at the World Championships. And so I've really focused heavily on judo. And I think sumo people need to really learn to do yoga. It helps your flexibility. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of strength training that I do as well. But uh, for me, it was a uh, weight cut and judo. That was my, my two big things right now. So, Do, do you also follow the Japanese professional sumo much at all or how closely do you follow that um I watch it I watch it a little um I mean you know when it's on I'll watch a couple of matches I don't watch it as heavily as a lot of people I know um a lot of people really love um Japanese sumo and I I do to an extent I just I don't watch a lot of sports or tv to be honest but um I watch um at least one or two matches every time they they're on so okay now as we we start to wrap it up um if people want to follow you online or social media what's the the best place the best way to do that yeah so i i'm on facebook but not frequently um i definitely have an instagram um which is um I think it's Mariah Holmes underscore sumo. Um, but I think I'm taking your advice, Eddie. I'm going to get a Twitter. So I will, uh, I'll be on there, but I'll blast that on Instagram too when I get that. But um, I'm very responsive usually on Instagram. So if anybody wants to holler on me, I'm there. But I also, um, you said I'm, I'm on the board for the United States Sumo Federation. Um, so if anybody wanted to contact me directly, they could probably just get on to um, ussumo.org and um, send a you know go to contact us and send an email through there and I get to see those emails um, and even if I didn't uh, the federation is really good about contacting people and, and um, helping people you know grow and, and learn sumo and so if anybody had a request um, that would be a really good place to throw it in there if you wanted to learn from anybody specifically or contact anyone that's a good source too great and when you get to twitter Follow me right back at NH NHB yeah. News. I use the same the same uh, username on Instagram and on Facebook and on Twitter and a bunch of other places too. So it's easy to remember. I've been using that for a long time. And uh, anything else you just want to add before we wrap it up? You know, I, I want to say thank you, Eddie, for having me on here. This was a really great talk. I really enjoy um, discussing sumo and, and how to grow the sport. And um, for anybody who's listening, I mean, you know, if you haven't tried sumo or if you haven't seen it, please please watch it. Try to find a club. Um, start a club if you have to. But um, I just really encourage everybody um, to get out there and try it or watch it. Um, it is a really beautiful sport, um, and I think everyone can, can find a way to connect to it. So... Um, but that's all I have. Thank you so much for, for having me on, Eddie. Thank you so much. You know, we'll be talking again. I, I hope you're able to get out to the Nationals. If not, keep on training and, and doing what you're doing. And uh, 
we're going to see this this sport grow. I really predict that it's going to be able to grow over the next period of time leading up to the Nationals, the North Americans, and the World Games next year, and other ter- all sorts of other tournaments, some of which we mentioned uh, in between. So I'm looking forward to all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. All righty. Thank you. And thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, thanks, Eddie. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com, the home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her, or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double End Bag the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls double-end bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Fight Shop. Advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y dot com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, Please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon for much more No Holds Barred content that's at patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thanks for listening. If you want to follow my site, my blog, the easiest way is go to eddiegoldman.com. For No Holds Barred, this has been Eddie Goldman.